You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, August 22nd, 2022. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. A tremendous amount to get into, and uh, time is of the essence because we are interviewing Ohio State head coach Ryan Day and defensive coordinator Jim Knowles today after practice uh, at about 11 a.m. Eastern time. So um, if you're not watching the live broadcast, by the time a lot of you are listening to the show, um, we'll be over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center interviewing Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and camp really I want to say it's ended I mean they'll, they'll do full Notre Dame uh, you know game week prep next week but um, basically camp has ended you know this is a, more like a, a regular week of practice I think they're out of the hotel now they're in the hotel for a couple of weeks going to be very interesting to see what coach Day and coach Knowles talk about later so um, so again um, keep it locked to Bucknuts for that. I am sure there's going to be a lot of interesting information from Coach Day and Coach Knowles. We haven't talked to them in a while. Um, So our one uh, opportunity to speak with Coach Day last week got uh, canceled. I wonder if it was because of the Evan Pryor injury, um, because that that happened the same day, probably not a coincidence. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that's happening in a little bit more than an hour. So keep it locked to Bucknuts for that. All right. Awesome. 12 days of Christmas are fine, but man, the 12 days until Buckeye football is even better. Uh, 12 days until the Notre Dame game. I can't wait. I know you guys can't wait. Um, we'll get into the actual matchup real quick. I want to talk about uh, the betting line. If you're uh, into um, sports gambling, it's interesting. I looked at the line. It's it shot up to 15 and a half. I believe it was 14. Buckeyes are favored by 14 for most of the offseason and check it that often. But I was looking at it yesterday because I host a show here in Columbus, um, that we talk a lot of Buckeye football, but it's also we talk a lot of sports gambling and uh, fantasy football and stuff like that. So I was looking up all the odds to, you know, for for example, Ohio State's odds to win the Big Ten championship are minus 220. So you bet 100 bucks and Ohio State wins the Big Ten, or if you bet 220 bucks and Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship, you win 100. And I tend to think minus 220 for Ohio State to win the Big Ten. It's a pretty good I don't want to say super safe, but pretty safe bet. I like that bet. I think the Buckeyes are going to win the Big Ten. Um, I'm, not, I'm sure a lot of you agree with that. Um, they are the clear favorites. But I looked at this, and I saw 15 and a half, and I thought, man, that's that's pretty. It's a pretty high spread. Then I started thinking about it. Every time I start thinking about what the score might be, I, I come up with stuff like 45 to 24 Ohio State or 42 to 20. I think it's going to be right around there. You know, Ohio State's going to win by a 21, 22, something around there, maybe 17. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, but I do think Ohio State's going to win comfortably, as I've told you guys many times here on the Bucknuts Morning 5. Um, and I, I tell you, a blowout wouldn't shock me, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. This is a good Notre Dame team. My point is, even though that's a high point spread, if I was betting on the game, I'd probably take the Buckeyes to cover because I have them and all my projections winning um, by more than that. It's that simple. One thing I do want to mention for sure, I love the over here. The over-under is 58 and a half. 
the scores I just mentioned to you, if it's 45-24, that's 69 points right there. You cover easily. 42-20, to 20, even that's getting, getting you 62 points. I just think the Buckeyes are going to get their share of points. And this is a good Notre Dame defensive line. Got some good linebackers too, but I don't. I, this secondary, I don't know how they're going to stay with Ohio State for 60 minutes with this offense. So Ohio State's going to score, and then I think Ohio State's defense is going to be much improved, but you know we'll see in game one. And Notre Dame's going to have to score to just try and keep up with the Buckeyes. I'm not saying it's going to be a complete shootout, but 58 and a half seems low to me. Jump on that while you can. Anyway, all right, let's get into this. So Notre Dame is a good team. There's no doubt about it. They are a good team. they got the best tight end in the country. They've got a really good offensive line. they got a really good defensive line. So you're good in the trenches. Um, you know, that's a good place to start. Now, we don't know about Tyler Buckner. First-year starting quarterback, sophomore, true sophomore, was a true freshman last year, played as the backup, got in 10 games, didn't throw the ball very much. Actually had more rushing yards than passing yards. He had like over 300 rushing yards for the season and under 300 passing yards. So – Good running quarterback, kid out of California, was a four-star prospect. So we'll see. We just don't know, right? But what we do know is this is a kid making his first start ever in college football, and he's doing it in a hostile environment against a fired-up Ohio State team. I mean, these, these guys are hungry. When I'm over there, you can just tell. It's not just them saying it because of what happened last year. A much-improved defense. We'll see. It's easy for me to say that. I think they're going to be much improved, and maybe more so as the year goes on. As I said, I think it could, you know, they might give up some points and some couple of big plays here and there against Notre Dame, Ohio State's defense. But I think um, Ohio State's defense is still going to play well in week one. But I think they're going to get better as the year progresses. Um, my point is, this is just a bad matchup for Notre Dame, in my opinion. I know people are going to say, you're an Ohio State guy saying that. I mean, I'm just, I analyze it. You know, I, I just, first time head coach, okay, and Marcus Freeman, he did have that bowl game under his belt, but really a rookie head coach, really a rookie quarterback facing a, a, an Ohio State team that has, I'm telling you, this roster is one of the best. It stacks up with some of the best that we've seen. Um, and the proof will be in the pudding, but looking at it right now, I mean, this roster stacks up. It's not perfect. You know, they've got depth issues at corner. You can say they got depth issues on the O-line, although some guys are stepping up like Josh Fryer, Zen Mahalski, uh, which mitigates that situation a lot, in my opinion. Um, but depth at corner is a concern. Linebackers, we're hearing good things about Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers, but they still need to prove it. In the defense overall. But I think you look at this Ohio State team, excellent roster, and they're hungry. And now I think Ryan Day's got the coaching staff where it needs to be. So this is a really tough matchup for Notre Dame, in my opinion. Um, but Notre Dame is a, a top five team. Now we'll see if they are really are a top five team. I think they're a legit top 10 team. But this Ohio State team, to me, it's either Alabama or Ohio State, you know, and those are the, have the top two betting odds in that order. Alabama, Ohio State, in that order, are one and two according to Vegas and in all of the human polls so far as well. So um, I tend to think, and, you know, Georgia's has the third best odds of win the national title. I, th I think they're going to take a big step back. They lost so many guys. They'll still be good. Clemson, I think Clemson has the fourth best odds to win it all. And uh, I think they'll be good. I think they're going to, you know, they'll be better than what they were last year. And they'll probably skate through the ACC, but I don't think they're going to be as good as Bama or Ohio state. So you add it all up. This is a tough matchup for Notre Dame. I'll say one more thing about Marcus Freeman being a rookie coach though. Ryan Day was really good in 2019 as a first-year head coach. So now we had a stacked roster. I, I don't think we're going to confuse – even though Notre Dame's roster is good this year, it's not, I don't think we're going to confuse 2022 Notre Dame with uh, 2019 as far as uh, talent on that on those rosters. I mean, look at all the first-round picks and draft picks overall that came from that 2019 Ohio State team that came within an eyelash of playing for the national championship game against uh, LSU. Um, 
So we'll see. Um, but I did want to point that out. We're all, myself included, oh, Marcus Freeman, first-time head coach. This is, you know, tough sledding. Well, Ryan Day came right out of the shoots as a first-time head coach and never been a head coach on any level, much like Marcus Freeman. Young guy, gets promoted from within. You're thinking, oh, the promotions from within usually don't work out. Um, it did with Ryan Day. So we'll see. But I think this is a bad matchup for Notre Dame. All right. Um, I've had some questions about this. So who are going to be the top producers on the defensive line for Ohio State? This is – they're extremely deep and talented. Larry Johnson was telling us last week, as I'm sure many, many of you saw this soundbite or heard about it, that he he thinks he can play as many as 12 guys. And I think they want to pare that down a little bit. Um, it's interesting because Jim Knowles in the back seven does not want to rotate that much. He's like the starters are the starters for a reason. They knew that they need, each need to have a main backup that can play and get in there. But if you're not the main backup, you're not playing unless somebody gets hurt. You know, like – he wants you know his uh, starter and a backup. It's not a pair and a spare. It's the it's the starter and the backup. That's it. It's the pair. Um, now you'd like to have a spare as well, just in case. My point is, Jim Knowles is not going to rotate much in the back seven. He's just not going to. But it's sound, and he controls the defense. Ryan, even though Larry Johnson is the defensive line coach, obviously Jim Knowles is called the head coach of the defense by Ryan Day. So Jim Knowles has the final say. So if he doesn't want Larry Johnson to rotate as much on the D line, then Larry Johnson's not going to rotate as much in the D line because. The buck stops with Jim Knowles on defense. But uh, it sounds like he's going to kind of let Larry do what, he, what Larry does. So there's going to be a rotation on the D-line. So who are going to be the main guys? When we look back on this season, when this national championship season, we hope, wraps up, we're gonna, who are going to be the four main guys? I wonder if it's going to be the four second-year guys. Uh, we're talking about, obviously, JT Tuimolo-Al, Jack Sawyer. We're talking about Tyleek Williams. We're talking about Mike Hall, who's getting a lot of buzz. Um all four of them, I won't be surprised if those four guys are, are the best defensive linemen on the team this year, the most productive. We just look back on it. It's like, yep, those are the four best. Um, but I think the veterans have to play well. It's a good mix, too. You got those four young guys. Um, we'll see, but they got some true freshmen in the mix, too. I think Caden Curry's going to play. Keep in mind, all these guys getting their black stripe off. Even some guys that enrolled early now are getting their black stripe off, we're seeing. And some guys that just enrolled. Uh, like Kenyatta Jackson just got his off. Uh, Amari Abor, the defensive ends. Caden Curry got his off in the spring. Um, now, Amari Abor and Kenyatta, Kenyatta Jackson might have been in the spring, too. They, they didn't roll early. Point is, Caden Curry was one of the first one, if, if not the first one, to get his black stripe removed. And he played well in the spring. Um, I'm not saying he's going to play a lot as a true freshman, but he'll be in the mix. And I think he's going to be the backup to uh, Sawyer at that jack position where you stand up instead of putting a hand in the ground. You move around a little bit. Uh, got to rush the passer. Uh, got to be good against the run. Got to drop in coverage. Um, that Jack is a huge part. That Leo, whatever you want to call it, it's a huge part of the Jim Knowles defense, as we all know. So I won't be surprised if it's the four, uh, you know, sophomores. Mike Hall's technically a, a redshirt freshman. He played in uh, less than four games last year. The rest are sophomores. All second-year guys. What a great class of defensive linemen they landed last year. But Hero Canoe might be in the mix a little bit, um, you know. And we'll so you know, they have the four – Really good uh, true freshman this year. I don't know if they're uh, quite as good as the uh, four true freshmen they got last year, but back-to-back really good D-line recruiting classes there. Um, but the veterans need to step up too. Zach Harrison, we might not look back on him being one of the top four, but he needs to be productive. Um, you know, Jerron Cage, uh, Teron Vincent's got to be productive. Tyler Friday's got to be a guy that can get in there and, you know, doesn't have to play a ton of snaps, but needs to be productive. Javante Jean-Baptiste, Ty Hamilton. Um, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I'm sure I'm going to leave somebody out. I know Jaden McKenzie's kind of in the mix, but um, Ty Hamilton's a guy that I think is probably going to play more than, than many people think. His teammates call him muscle because he's just a, you know, he's just a big, just, you know, 
big, big thing of muscle. You know, he's just a, he's just muscle bound. You know, he came in about what we all said he was an undersized defensive tackle, like two sixty five or two seventy. Man, that kid's almost three hundred pounds now, and he is. He's just straight up muscle. So there you go. I think they're obviously stacked at defensive line. I won't be surprised if the four second year guys are the main guys, but the veterans got to step up too. We'll see how much of a rotation they use. All right, we haven't talked a lot about special teams. Uh, let's change that real quick on the specialists themselves, not the return guys. Um, I'm going to focus on the return guys mostly. I think it's awesome having seventh year senior Brad Robinson back as the long snapper. In fact, doing my show yesterday on 97.1, the fan here in Columbus, that I was talking about earlier. Um, we're at a during a commercial break. Brad Robinson has a commercial. He has an NIL deal with a company here in town. And it's not like him and a few other guys. It's just him. He's joking around about how this company's been around even longer than he has as a seventh year senior. The long snapper has an NIL deal, and I love it. Great for Brad Robinson. He's a great kid. And um, this will be his third year as the starting long snapper. And you probably haven't heard his name much because I don't think he's missed a snap. You know, knock on wood. I think he's just been on target with everything. So great having him back. Um, and, and then you get Jesse Murko back, second-year punter. That's good. He was solid last year as a true freshman. Didn't come in like Cam Johnston and light it up. Um, last time Buckeyes got one from uh, Australia. But all these punters coming from Australia cracks me up. It's because they grow up playing Aussie rules football. Then they have all the academies over there, like pro kick. Um, you got to think maybe there's got to be some academies popping up in the United States that are going to model that. Because I know kids aren't growing up playing Aussie rules football here. But, man, if you just start training from a young age, um, you would think you could have some academies over here. But I digress. Jesse Murko was solid as a first-year guy, as a true freshman, 24-year-old true freshman. Uh, that's another thing. These Aussie guy, kids get over here, and they're the age of like a – you know, a law student or something like that, uh, a, a law student about ready to graduate um, or maybe a med student, uh, I should say. But um, he should be better this year as a second year guy. And then they have Noah Ruggles back who missed all of one field goal. He's back. Um, love that. So special teams should be solid this year. Parker Fleming was in his first year as special teams coach last year. I think he can do better. He did things like you put Julian Fleming back there to, you know, as the kickoff returner at times. No, 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 no. Eventually, they got it right, though. And Mecca Ibuka needs to be the full-time kickoff returner. I think there's no doubt he will be. And I think he's going to have a really good year in that role. Now, they've they haven't taken away the kickoff return in college football, but I hate that, that – I get it because of player safety, but you get hurt on any play. I still need to see the data that backs it up. You get, there's more injuries um, on kickoff returns. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there, there was data to back that up. Um, but I love kickoff returns and punt returns. They're just exciting plays. And I think Emeka Ibuka is going to be really good in that role, that kickoff return role. We saw flashes of it last year as a true freshman. I think he's going to, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Teddy Ginn back there. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think he could be the best. And this is a low bar, but he'll be the best they've had since Jalen Marshall um, for sure. And I think he, he'll be maybe better than that. I mean, Jalen Marshall is really good. I mean, he he saved a game in that national championship season against Indiana. He had like uh, three touchdowns, all different ways, kick return, punt return, um, Maybe one one was a return. Maybe he had a rush and a reception. I'll have to go back and look, but he had three touchdowns on that game, including the last time Ohio State has had either a kick or a punt return or a touchdown. So eight years, long overdue for that. So Emeka is going to be great in that role. I have no doubt about it. Now, punt return is interesting. I know like a lot of people have different viewpoints on this. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is is really good in that role. Now, is he like great? No, because, again, greats like Teddy Ginn or name some other great punt returners, but he's really good. Sure hands and under – I mean, he just – he's obviously, he's Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's so good with just getting what he can, 
He's not going to do stupid things like run backwards and lose five yards. If only five yards are there to get, he's going to go north and south and get five yards. But he's tough, and he, you know, he's slippery when wet. He's not easy to tackle. Um, I think he's got underrated speed. He's not a burner. But anyway, the point is, he can, he can break one, too. He's not. That's not going to be his forte. But give me a punt returner that's extremely reliable, that is going to get what he can, get down, and get the ball back to this electric offense. And then at times maybe break, you know, if not a, a one to the house, you know, a semi-long one. He can do that. People will say, well, why the hell are you going to use your number one wide receiver and risk injury? Well, again, you can get hurt on any play. And I'm a big believer, I mean, especially the punt, to use Jim Tre- – we'll talk about Jim Tressel here in a minute, by the way. To use his, his uh, phrase that gets thrown around all the time, we kind of make fun of it, but uh, there's a lot of truth to it. The punt is the most important play in football because of all the yardage that is exchanged. And now if you've got somebody who's really close to Jackson Smith and Jigba, fine. And that might be a Mecca Ibuka. That's my question is, well, it's really close and a Mecca is really good in that role. Okay, I'm okay with it then. If there's a big gap, um, which I don't think there would be a big gap, but if there's a noticeable gap, I want Jackson Smith and Jigba back there. And you could even rotate. They've done this before with Main White. Remember when Santonio Holmes would rotate back there with Teddy? You know, or they had... One year it was like San Antonio and like Anthony Gonzalez would be back there together. You know, they would, they would mix it up, you know. And last time I checked, San Antonio Holmes was a very good wide receiver here, you know. Now, Teddy's kind of his own little thing because he was a really good wide receiver. But what made him elite was um, his kick and punt returning skills, the best we've ever seen. Um, but I hate to bring these guys up. But when Desmond Howard – you're not going to find somebody who dislikes Desmond Howard more than me, probably. I just think he's just – Low class and brings nothing to the table for ESPN. But he was a really good college player. And even in the NFL, he was a hell of a punt returner. But in college, Yuri unfortunately won the Heisman. And did, for those of you don't, that don't know, he did the wrong Heisman pose. If you look at the Heisman, both feet are on the ground. He does not have his knee up in the air. He, the knee's kind of up, but the, the, the foot's on the ground. So Desmond didn't even do the Heisman pose right. But anyway, he did win the Heisman that year. And he was a great punt returner, including in the NFL and kick returner. But he was also their number one wide receiver. They weren't worried about getting him hurt. They're playing Ohio. Now, I'm not saying Jackson Smith and Jigba has to be back there every play. And I'm not saying he's Desmond Howard as a punt returner. My point is, a lot of times we can go through a lot of big games over the years where they put their best player back there. Okay. Um, Deion Sanders, when he was in college, you know, he wasn't a wide receiver, but he was their number one corner. He's back there, obviously, returning punts, returning kicks. Um I hate to bring up another Michigan guy. This guy I actually respect. Another Michigan Heisman winner, Charles Woodson. I actually respect him, even though he's he's a Michigan homer, but he like is just keeps it real, and he actually is a good analyst. Like I actually respect Charles Woodson. And something tells me if Jim Trestle was the coach then, even though I know Woodson grew up a Michigan fan, coming from Fremont, Ohio, something tells me if Trestle was the coach then and not Cooper, that Trestle would have found a way to get Charles Woodson. But who knows? Charles Woodson, what did he do in big games? Return punts, return kicks, as we know. You know, he was their top corner. They're not worried about getting him hurt. It's a big game. Now, Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't need to be back there all the time. But if he is clearly the number one best punt returner on this team, he needs to be back there, in my opinion. I'm getting choked up just talking about it now. I got a scratchy voice. All right. I got one more thing to talk about. Then I got to get moving, get the show up, and get over to Ohio State for Ryan Day and Jim Knowles. For those that are just tuning in, we're getting Ryan Day and Jim Knowles. Oh, in less than an hour, so I'm probably going to be late. No, I only live about 15 minutes away from the WAC. I'll be okay. All right, last thing. I love this. 
It's the 100-year anniversary of Ohio Stadium, the cathedral of college football, the best stadium in our country. Not that I'm biased at all. And by best stadium, I mean period. Best sports stadium in the country, period. Again, not that I'm biased, right? The North Rotunda is just beautiful. I just love everything about it. Dogs are barking, so another reason I probably should wrap this up. Um, it's also the 20-year anniversary of the 2002 National Championship team, so that's really cool. Jim Trestle comes in here, calls his shot uh, with a 310-day speech, backs it up, and you can say it wasn't a guarantee. It basically was. You're going to be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and especially 310 days from now on the football field in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Whoa! I mean, at the basketball game, never even playing Michigan in basketball that night. I, I still get chills thinking about that. And Michigan's probably laughing their butts off, like, oh, okay, you guys haven't beaten us like in forever. You haven't won in Ann Arbor since 1987. Okay, good luck with that. And Ohio State goes up there. They get a 23-point lead in the first half, and they hold on. Um, and after Jonathan uh, Wells uh, had those uh, cramps and couldn't come back in, he was tearing them up in the first half. But Trussell goes up there and wins the first game in Ann Arbor. It's like, oh, my God. And he wins the national championship in year two. Listen, you know, we all kind of, you know – the punts the most important play in football senator trestle all this stuff you know trestle ball here's the biggest thing to know about jim trestle this this man flipped the ohio state michigan rivalry on its head and he played against really good michigan teams especially early in his tenure not so much late when he got to play against those terrible rich rod teams but he played some really good michigan teams including that one versus two game he was underdog obviously in that 2001 game the guarantee game the 310 days game there were slight favorites in that 2002 game but that was a bloodbath they were underdogs at home in 2004, the Troy Smith coming out party, uh, where they won that game handedly. Uh, you know, I think 2005, if they weren't underdogs, it was really close up in Ann Arbor. So he won some, you know, 2007 was another one in Ann Arbor. It was really close point spread. I think Ohio State was favored, but barely. They got up there to handle them in the rain, 14 to 3, I think the score was. Um, so he didn't just beat Michigan. He usually handled them. You know, there were some close games, but most of the time it was, you know, Ohio State winning somewhat comfortably. So um, even that one versus two game, what was it, 42-39, but it was 42-31. Michigan got a lucky call late and got like a junk touchdown and a junk two-point conversion to make that score look better. I digress. Ohio State should have won that game 42-31, but whatever. Jim Trestle is the man. He flipped this rivalry on its head. Hasn't been the same since. I know what happened last year, but still 17-3. and um, Since that man took over the program, Ohio State 17, Michigan 3. I like that record. More than makes up for the Cooper years. Two ten and one. Give me seventeen and three. I'll, I'll take that. Um, so love Jim Trestle. He's a big part of everything that's going on. Obviously with the twenty year reunion, but they're also they're having tours of Ohio Stadium because of the hundred year of horseshoe anniversary. And of course, Jim Trestle is the one making like the main video. You guys have got to watch it. He talks about you know the national championship year. He talks about the what makes the horseshoe special. He's just awesome. Ohio State's fortunate to have Ryan Day right now as the head coach. They're fortunate to have Urban Meyer. And they're fortunate to have Jim Trestle. I just love Jim Trestle, and I'm glad that uh, he's getting uh, celebrated as he should because um, it's pretty ridiculous what, you know, he got fired for, technically resigned, because nowadays that'd be like the most minor thing in the world. But um, I still think he kind of fell on the sword a little bit too. So Jim Trestle, I'm a huge Jim Trestle stan. If you don't know what stan is, you can look it up. Um, my man uh, Eminem can uh, fill you in on that. It just means you're a big fan. Uh, maybe a stalker. Uh, I'm not a stalker, but I, 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 I still will call myself a Jim uh, Trestle Stan. Anyway, I got to get rolling. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate you guys. Hope everyone has a great day.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.